family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, the president of Paradigm Security Services. We're excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We're broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. In addition to Paradigm Security Services, this show is also brought to you by Sosby's Garage. You heard a little clip, a little quick deal there. They are looking for a master mechanic. They really need someone that is quality, and they are looking for one now, so give them a call. On every show, we feature businesses and organizations in the Atlanta area and people that especially serve Gwinnett County. Today's the way things are today, we have a you know school systems are a big deal. We've had a lot of changes, uh, a lot of people unhappy, uh, a lot of people happy, but I think more unhappy than they are. We've had a quality high quality uh, education system in Gwinnett County for many many years and there seems to be a lot of issues that are going on right now and one of the things that uh, we look forward to uh, with this uh, round of elections coming up is maybe we can make some changes for in a positive direction. And it, toward that, we have today, and I'm proud to have, Miss Kelly Counts. And she is a candidate for Gwinnett County School Board District 4. And I'll let Kelly here in a minute tell you exactly for those of you that don't know where District 4 is, because unfortunately a lot of people don't even know what district they're in. So uh, it's really important that we all get out and we cast our votes. But the more important, most important thing is cast an informed vote. And so I'm going to turn it over. Kelly, glad to have you here. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Um, District 4 covers several school clusters. It covers um, Brookwood High School cluster, South Gwinnett cluster, Parkview cluster, the Shiloh cluster, and the Burkmar cluster. And it's important for your listeners to know that this has been changed to a nonpartisan election. So the final election will be May 24th. I think that is that is an awesome thing right there. For those that don't know, who is Kelly Couts? <laughs> I hope I'm a lot of things. Um, I'm a mother. Uh, I'm the daughter of a school teacher. I'm an attorney. I've been an attorney licensed in the state of Georgia for almost 20 years. I'm a former prosecutor. And now I work as a guardian ad litem in Gwinnett County Juvenile Court. I'm a community volunteer. I coach um, I-9 sports basketball, flag football. I'm the team mom for Brookwood baseball. I serve on the PTA at Gwyn Oaks as vice president of Gwyn Oaks Elementary School. Um, I'm a a wife. I'm a um, former elected official. I'm a former educator and adjunct professor, so hopefully a jack of all trades. Well, that's quite a lineup of stuff that you do. Uh, I would say that you don't have much free time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, but in my free time, I'm a Bulldog fan. I like to go to Georgia football games. (laughs) Go dogs! I'll go with you there. 
Well, you know, why in the world at this particular juncture or and with all the stuff that you're doing, why are you seeking this position? Because there's nothing more important to our community than our children and their education. Our schools are, are actually the cornerstones of our community. That's where we shape um, our future generations. And so I think that right now our schools, our Gwinnett County school system is at a critical stage and we need someone with leadership skills to step up and serve on the school board. Um, I, I think that we have gone from number one to number 66. I understand that that's in the school digger ratings, but those affect our property values. So whether you're a parent or a teacher or a member of the community, um, whether you have kids in the school system or outside of the school system, what happens with our school system affects all of us. And I think we have teacher retention rates are at all time low. We need to do something to step up and make sure our teachers are staying in school and actually our quality teachers are staying employed in our school system. Um, I think I also, as a guardian ad litem, I'm a voice right now for children in the courtroom and I want a chance to be a voice for our children in the classroom. Well, I know going from a world-class uh, education system that we had to 66 is not exactly what I call world-class, but I know that when parents come in and they're looking for places to move, uh, they're, they're changing with their jobs, they're changing with their business, one of the first things that they look at and one of the most important things they look at is the school system and where are they, you know, what kind of school system and like it or not, they do look at that ranking to see how, how they're ranked and it makes a big difference. It does. And, you know, there's people that are going to say, well, that's not the official rankings from the state of Georgia. That's based on, you know, the, the, the real estate rankings and, and this testing and things of that nature. But that's what the general population is looking at. Um, exactly. That's what they go to when they decide which house they're going to buy. And that affects our community, um, our real our real estate values. And so that's going to affect everyone in the community, whether you have children or not. Well, you said that uh, has leadership skills. What would you say it is that, you know, I know you said you have been in public office. What is it that you've done that gives you those leadership skills? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> well, I was elected the first female mayor of Snellville, and so I also served on the Snellville City Council for six years prior to that. So I think what distinguishes me from some of the other candidates in this race, I also am an employee of Gwinnett County now. And so I've been an elected official and I've been a county employee. Running a government is much different than running an office. Um, it's much different than running a classroom. What we're electing someone to do on school board is not to be in our classrooms teaching our students, is to make the policy and the budget decisions for our school district as a whole. And so my experience serving as the mayor and a council uh, member and also working for Gwinnett County gives me that government insight. I also didn't have the easiest time when I was the mayor of Snellville. Um, and that has actually allowed me to grow and to learn from those experiences. I've learned that you can't go steamrolling in even when you have, when, even when you're on the right. Um, you have to approach something with um, diplomacy. And I think right now that's needed on our school board. You know, just because you have a position, you can't jump up and down and say, this is what you want to do. You have to be able to reach across to everyone and do what's in the best interest of the children, not just what's in your best interest or your agenda. Um, so I'm hoping I can bring that experience and that level-headedness to our school board. That sounds good. A wise person once told me that uh, if you want to lead, the only way you can lead is to have someone that's willing to follow. Exactly. And if you can't do that, you're not leading. Exactly. If You, you may have the right answer, but if no one follows you, you're not going to get anything done. Exactly right. Well, when it comes to this, you've talked a little bit and kind of hinted on it, but what would be your what will be your priority or priorities if elected to this position on the school board? <laughs> My first thing would be to put an end to these one-size-fits-all policies. Gwinnett County school system has become too large and too diverse. So what works for North Gwinnett High School is not going to work for South Gwinnett High School. 
um, the needs of even within District 4, the needs of Brookwood cluster are going to be different than the needs of the Shiloh cluster. And so I think we need to stop trying to pigeonhole everybody with these one-size-fits-all policies and give back more local control to the actual school clusters, the local principals, um, the local administrations. Give them the basic guidelines and the basic parameters and protocols and let them work within the system. Exactly. That seems like a pretty smart idea to me. I know as a business owner, if you don't uh, set up the protocols and everything and then let give people their reign a little bit within the box, you'll never find anybody that thinks outside the box. Exactly. And we have great leaders within our school system. We've hired them to do a job, and we need to allow them the opportunity to do that job. Absolutely. Um, you know, do you feel that the, the size of the school board is adequate, or does it need to be changed? You know, I think that is a hot-button issue right now, and I think that um, I don't want to change the size of the school board at this point in time. I think we have enough going on with just changing the school board to nonpartisan that changing the size of the school board right now, um, people would feel as if we were trying to dilute the vote, and I don't want to do that. I want everyone to feel as if their voice is being heard, whether they're a parent, a teacher, a student, or a community member. But what I do think we need to do, because right now we have about 110,000 voters per each district and that's a lot of people that one person is representing um, and each district is so diverse as I said it's hard for that one person to represent all of those differing opinions so what I would like to do is to create advisory boards for each district member to have an advisory board that way we can get more parents maybe more teachers and more community stakeholders involved in the process and they can make recommendations to the district member representative um, and we can increase the diversity that way I guess the question on that was, how would you go about creating these diversified advisory boards? Advisory boards, mm -hmm. thank you. I would, um, I would have representatives from every school, so kind of similar to PTA, whether it's the PTA representative or, or somebody from the student council. Every school has a PTA board. Every school has a um, school council board that's derived of parents. I would allow the local administrators and the parents to find a nominee, one or two nominees from each school. So Gwen Oaks Elementary gets one person. Um, Craig Elementary gets one person. Head Elementary gets one person. Um, and so you're looking at about a 20-person advisory panel um, for each district member. Well, that sounds good. That way it also keeps, uh, regardless necessarily of the size of the school, it keeps everybody's representation equal. Exactly. Uh, I think that would be a good way to get some good ideas and at least be able to maybe help give some advice on implementation. When you have all these uh, committees, uh, and this is, this is not something you may be able to answer and just say no, you can't if you don't. Sure. But how would you go about implementing uh, any of these ideas? Is there, a, is there mm -hmm. a logical way to do that? I know you're an attorney, so. So, so this is something I did when I was mayor of Snellville. I created a pastor's roundtable, and I had pastors from all the different churches came and met with me once a month to tell me what was going on in their community and to give me ideas. I had an economic roundtable, so I had business leaders do it. I had a student roundtable because I believe that students needed to have buy-in in their community. Need a voice. Um, exactly. And so what I would do in, and let me, make something clear I don't I'm not a type of person that believes in a lot of studies and play I, you know I, I like to be straightforward and, and get the job done and so mm -hmm. I'm not trying to create advisory committees to prolong anything um, but I think that 
those committees, I think it would be up to each district member. So as school board district four representative, it would be up to me to set the meetings with those advisory committees. Um, and it would be up to me to take their recommendations or not. They're, they're a recommending body. Um, so I'm there to listen to them to find out what's going on in their school, in their school, um, in the different clusters and to take into consideration. There's no, um, there's no policy, there's no law that says I have to follow what they're telling me, but I think it's a way to give them a voice. And if you're, you know, if you're a true representative of your district, then you will listen to what they're saying because you're there to represent them and, and not your personal interests. So I would hope that our school board members would take into consideration what those parents and community leaders are telling them. Um, but there would be nothing that says you would have to, to vote the way they're telling you to vote. Mm -hmm. well, it seems to me like one of the things that has been most lacking and taken away is the parents having a voice. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's one of the biggest complaints of most parents. I'm a grandparent of kids in the system, and I've had kids that went through Collins Hill and the system, and I know it seems like there's just a total disregard and a, a shutoff valve put on any parent input that doesn't agree with the call that they're making. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have all the input you want if you agree with them, but if you don't agree with them, they want to shut you down. I noticed that on, on one of the recent one of the recent board meetings, they allowed like 50% of the people that are going to speak to be students. You know, that's great that they want to involve the students, but it just seems a little out of whack when the people that are actually the parents and stuff that are going to have the most valid input as to, you know, what's needed to take care of their parents. It's like they're giving the, the kids the ability to tell their parents you know, set the stage instead of the uh, instead of the parents mm -hmm. putting the cart before the horse, and I think that's that's something that we've kind of got out of whack. I think is the best way to put it. I think you have to have a good balance. Um, you you know you want kids to feel like they belong and they Absolutely. have they have a voice, but you know also working in juvenile court sometimes you know I I see kids these days and they don't you know they think they don't have to follow their parents and so I think you have to have a good balance and you know sometimes parents need to step up and I'm still the parent I'm still the boss um the same with school board but I think it's important you know for everybody a lot of times in court you know sometimes people just need their day in court and it's not going to change the outcome of their case you know what we offered before they went in is going to be the same at the end of that hearing but they just need to be heard and they need to feel like someone's listening to them and they have value and I think that's the same for parents or community leaders or grandparents or whoever's attending these school board meetings and I will tell you when I was the mayor of Snellville it wasn't always easy because I had people that wanted to say things to me that weren't always so nice to hear or things I didn't want to hear and you know, at first I wasn't the best at listening to it, but I'm hoping that, you know, I learned from that and you just got to, you got to sit there and take it because that's the role that you have as an elected official. You may not like what somebody says, but you need to listen to it. And if you're smart, you'll actually hear it, not just listen to it, but hear it and try to adjust accordingly because whether that's your intention or not, that's somebody's perspective of what you're doing. Well, I've never seen a single person in management and ownership and politics that has 100% agreement. Right. And if they're not willing to at least hear the other side, then they don't understand what, you know, that there may be other choices besides the, there may be a better choice than what they're making. 
and I try to tell people that all the time. I tell them two things. First of all, the best way you come at solutions, I think, is when you have different opinions because that's when you find the best solution. And also, I'll be the first to admit I have ideas. I've been talking to community stakeholders, to teachers, to administrators, trying to see what's going on in the community and their ideas. Because although I have ideas, I'll admit they may not be right, and I may not have all the answers, but I'm willing to listen to you to try to find them and to find the right solutions. Well, that's the key is being willing to listen. Um, one of the things that has been really big uh, as far as a hot-button issue is the removal of politics from education. Basically, uh, taking the uh, making it uh, nonpartisan or basically making it partisan. There's been arguments both ways. How do you see this and as far as how it's gone? Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand some of the concerns with the timing issue with making it non- nonpartisan, but I do think that making school board elections nonpartisan is the right decision, not just for Gwinnett County, but for the state of Georgia. Um, my campaign color is purple because purple is red and uh, blue combined. Um, Very good. I don't think, you know, I don't think school boards should be partisan. I don't think when it comes to the best interest of our children, that's partisan politics. I think we need to put those politics aside and, and do what's best for the children. Well, a lot of people say uh, that if you don't know the voting record of the person, then you don't know what you're getting in there to start with. Uh, I'll give you my thoughts on it and then see if you know where you're standing. My thoughts are if you've got a person running, they should have some type of a record that to stand on in the past that they voted one way or the other, they've acted one way or the other, they've promoted one way or the other. Um, so there should be a record of where they stand on the issues mm-hmm. without declaring the politics of it for the, for running for a board. Uh, it also keeps people from when you just uh, you may not pay any attention to the school board and who's running or the smaller ones. You just click a straight ticket item. It also takes it off that straight ticket item so that people actually have to look and vote for the person and not vote for the party. I think it's essential that we have educated voters. I think you know one of the um, biggest threats to democracy is when you have voters that are uneducated. I also, though, think that it's dangerous when you look at the voting record of someone. I know here in Gwinnett County, there's been times when in a primary, there's only Republican candidates, so you have to pull the Republican um, ticket. And there's only been Democratic candidates, depending on where you know where you mm-hmm. live in Gwinnett County. So looking at someone's voting record can be dangerous because that may not be their true party of you know affiliation um i also think for school board you're not voting on things such as um second amendment issues abortion rights and things of that nature so to me what's more important in a school board candidate than whether they voted in a republican or democrat primary is their community involvement and that tells me more about how they're going to perform on on school board because that tells me where their heart is in the community have they been out there in the community if they have what events have they been supporting have they been supporting our schools and our students in the community have they been involved in the community but not Gwinnett community have they been involved in other communities such as Fulton and DeKalb um, and so that I think tells me more about a person um, than whether they voted straight down a ticket or not. You know, that's a very good point that I really hadn't really even thought about as far as the importance of what their community interaction has been when they're running for this type of a board. That's a very good point. And I will make one point, uh, kind of stress a point. You mentioned uh, the uneducated voter, and I'm sure that you're talking about this. The uneducated voter is one that is not uneducated from school or uneducated on all that. It's the person that hasn't done 
that their uh, background, their study, their look at the person. Right. Uh, it's that person that says, my mama, my granddaddy, my great-granddaddy, and you know, all this kind of stuff, my brothers and sisters, they're all voting one way. I'm going to vote that way because we've just always done it. That's pretty much an uneducated voter. You need to know, you need to understand and know the background and history of the person that you're voting for, know something about them before you cast that ballot. Don't just cast a blank ballot. Exactly. And but I, it is important to vote. And it is extremely important to vote. You know, you can't complain. I always tell people you can't complain unless you vote. And if you vote, you need to know about all the candidates on the ticket, not just at the top of the race. Um, and I tell people all the time, you know, your judges, your mayors, your city council members, although that's not this election, your school board candidates, your local candidates are going to affect your everyday life more than your presidents and your governors are. Absolutely. You know, like I said at the beginning of the show, it's it's vote but it's more important to vote informed yes so that's the key well what about um the public school system overall here in our county how as far as public schools how do, how do you sit on that where do you see us going from here um well i hope we go upward you know gwinnett county i was born and raised in gwinnett county i'm a product of gwinnett county public schools um, i'm a graduate of brookwood high school i attended lilburn middle and lilburn elementary my mom was a uh, school teacher at Lilburn Middle School for 32 years, cheerleading coach. My dad was the basketball coach there. Um, so I've always been proud of our, our school system, um, and I want to see it to continue to always be the, the you know, the top-of-the-line school system that has been not just in the state but in the nation. Um, but I do think that there's areas that we fall behind. Um, my son's father was a teacher in DeKalb County, for an engineering teacher for 10 years, and in DeKalb County, they have some excellent vocational programs that even though we have schools like Maxwell at our local school levels, mm-hmm. we're not necessarily on par with some of the um, programs that are being offered in other counties. So I'd like us to, to focus on things like that. Also um, on some special education initiatives. Um, so I think that there is room for improvement in Gwinnett County. I still think that, you know, we're one of the best school systems in the state, but I want to see us to improve. One of the biggest thing, I know you mentioned Maxwell, that is just an awesome school yes. and the whole philosophy because I think the most important thing with us today for our educators is to understand that, you know, college is not for everybody. Exactly. And we have a lot of very bright, very uh, educated people that have no desire. That's not their fields. We go, But now they may be, have talents far beyond and we need people like electricians. We need people like uh uh, plumbers we need people that that do work with their hands mechanic there's so much out here on an everyday life that people can make a very good income at if their expertise falls in that and that's where their their desires go than trying to force them into a four or six year college and they don't create all the debt as well I agree completely you know I I love academia I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd a law nerd you know and that's why I went to law school but that was the right fit for me I represent hundreds of kids daily in in foster care and in juvenile court that they're not good at school necessarily Um, they have good trades but they're not necessarily a college student Um, and so i think unfortunately our schools focus on college Um, you know I, i know in certain clusters in my district everyone's pushed towards the college path and that's not the right path for everyone um, I, I think Maxwell is a fabulous school, but I would like to have us have more 
in-house vocational programs. There's things like CAD certification for architects that if we were offering those in-house, students could actually graduate with some of those certifications um, bef bef when they graduate high school. And, you know, welding programs, there's one at Maxwell, but I'd like to see some more of those at the local school systems Absolutely. because not everyone can, can get over to Maxwell. You know, you can make 20 plus dollars an hour as a welder and that, that's a decent living for you some of our students. You can make six figures. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think that we need to um, we're starting these school academies, but I think more can be done in the fields of what I used to call industrial arts. I mean, that's, I'm dating myself, but more <laughs> more industrial arts type I'm, fields. I come, from the, I come <laughs> from the shop era. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, when, I was, when I was mayor, I, I tried to work on promoting more dual enrollment programs because you can actually graduate high school with an associate's degree if you, have, if you plan it correctly. I've got a friend of mine right now whose daughter is doing a dual and by the time she gets through with high school, she'll have almost completed her first year of college. Mm -hmm. and that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, they didn't offer that when I went through school. And it's free, right? I mean, yeah. so why not take advantage of it? Absolutely. And one of the things that I uh, know that is important that we didn't, didn't mention, I didn't mention, is the IT area. Yes. Uh, that is such a growing area. It's, it's just accelerating so fast. We have a lot of kids, I guess by the nature of the fact that they spend so much time on computers now instead of getting out and play, that their brain just goes that way. And it's amazing to see what they can do when it comes to creating and into the IT field, IT security. I've got uh, someone that I know right now that both their kids went through the IT security field and they, they're coming in with good jobs. And that's what I was mentioning um my ex-husband, his he teaches now. He taught engineering, and now he's gone from that to video broadcast to now he's teaching mm -hmm. computer science. And so, even with um, video broadcast, you know we have um, we're the Hollywood of of the South, and so there's opportunities for that. And with computer science, there's certification programs that we're not necessarily here in Gwinnett paying for that other counties are paying for to offer to their students, where they they can take these classes and take these certification programs through these classes and graduate high school with these certification programs. Well, a lot of, we work some in the film industry and all, and a big part of the film industry right now is basically uh, kind of a, a spinoff is the gaming. Yes. Uh, it is very big. It's, it's, uh, it has increased so much. And the incomes that are made in the gaming industry are unbelievable. Yeah, crazy. So uh, that's something that, uh, in, con in conjunction with the filming industry, the filming and gaming industry are fantastic uh, th options in our state. Yes. And we, we need more education in those areas that people that have that interest can slowly aim at that at that direction we do and um lieutenant governor cagle started a program statewide but i think we really can improve on that here in gwinnett county well george uh, uh, gwinnett tech is an awesome place for a lot of these kids that that are looking at careers that lie outside the four four right. to six year college careers and it's almost like a career um one of the things you mentioned the special education I've got a grandson that uh, is, to a certain extent, autistic, mm -hmm. and there, there's been issues. We've had him in public school when they just they just couldn't handle it, and then you know, the home school, uh, we're looking to put him back in. I mean, there's a lot of areas there that I think we need improvement on, too. <laughs> right. Where to start, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so people don't understand, and I've gotten questions about this, a few things. Um, 
first of all, a couple years ago, they lifted the um, student to teacher ratio requirements and to allow the ratio of students to be higher for teachers. And that was also with some special education. And so right now our, our classroom sizes are just astronomical. I mean, there's no, it's, you know, it's more classroom management than education right now because classroom sizes are so large. Um, and so I'd like to go back and look at that, not just in our general classrooms, but in our special education classrooms. But as a guardian ad litem, I deal with so many kids that have mental health issues and that need what's called an IEP, mm-hmm. and that's an individualized plan for children with, with special needs. And it's difficult to get a child on those plans because they have to have certain testing before they qualify for that. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times they're in a general classroom when they need to be in a specialized classroom because they haven't gotten that. And so I think we can streamline that process. I think, you know, a lot of times parents don't feel as if they are getting the help and the support they need from the school system throughout that process because it's confusing and it's very technical um, and I don't think it needs to be that way I think we're all working on the same page trying to get what's best for these children Um, people have told me responded well this is all set by state and federal law yeah it is the state and federal law say that this is what you have to do it's just minimal standards those are yeah exactly those are minimum standards it doesn't say we don't we can't do better it doesn't say that we can't do it sooner i mean there's there's not a reason that w- these kids have to be sitting in these general population classrooms waiting for these tests to come back it doesn't say we can't put them in those classes now we may need to cough up some funding of our own until we can get the approval for that federal funding but i think that's a budget expense that would be worth it also you know you think when county you think that we are the biggest and the best in everything and that's not always the case with special education i know i have several um mom friends that their children are dyslexic and we that's one area we fall we fail in in gwinnett county might not fail in but we we're not up to kids fall into that a lot too yes and and so we could do better um in providing resources for those children because they don't need just you know pulled out of class for for an hour they need help with every single subject and, and that's where we don't have the staff to meet those needs you know, a lot of people don't realize that you know when they hear this the kids autistic or something they think you know uh, almost debilitating but no my grandson is on the extremely high intellectual end of that mm-hmm. and it's he's too too smart for his own good to tell you the <laughs> truth uh, sometimes I want to kill him the other times I want to <laughs> love him but uh, you know it's hard to understand for a lot of people they don't think that they don't see that they need to understand that these for the most part are very intelligent above average kids they just have to, uh, a difficulty processing stuff in the same way as other kids do right and in that case they don't need to be in the special ed classroom they can be in the general population classroom they just need that additional assistance they need not, someone that knows how to handle it right not just for you know not just for an hour or whatever but for the entire entire school day we need more specialized um, training for those teachers no absolutely well speaking of that prioritizing health and safety for children in our schools you know we we talked a little bit before we went on the air i'll make this the last question to you except for getting some information on you but um it's not so much you know we've we've done away with the mask finally and that's great but it's not the mask that was the issue i think as much as it was the thought process the mindset that took us there and maybe not took us there but kept us there and that mindset is where we're at that I think is what needs to change we have a lot of people that are hooked on that and you know the old saying stuck on stupid <laughs> uh, we got a lot of people I think that uh, are in charge that are stuck on stupid uh, and every time I say that I think of John Kennedy over in Louisiana who's the old southern boy he, he, he comes up with some crazy stuff but we need to figure out how to change 
I think the only way is to change the people that are sitting there to get them off that stupid because these people are, are they're they're convinced that their way is right and there's no other way it's going to end. How do we address that? You know, it's hard. I will tell you, as a former elected official, it's hard to do what is the right thing to do instead of what you want to do personally. Um, I became a defense attorney out of law school. Actually, I was a prosecutor and then a defense attorney because someone once, I met this defense attorney in eighth grade, and I remember I raised my hand, Ms. Boone's class, and I said, how can you defend these criminals? And his response was, because once you start taking away somebody's right, there's going to be a domino effect, and what's to stop you from taking away more and more rights? And mm-hmm. that really hit home with me. And I think this can be done, you know, with the mask issue. There's there's individual stories, and you want to protect those kids, but you also have to think about the population as a whole and what rights they have. And you can't trample on people's rights um, unjustified or illegally. Um, I think, you know, with the mask issue, my position is that, again, it needs to be back to local control. We had a policy for this, the county-wide policy, and if you looked at the numbers, there's some schools that had high infection rates, and maybe that they needed to wear masks because of their infection rates. But there was other schools, Gwen Oaks, we had hardly any cases of COVID, so I think it needed to be more of a case-by-case basis. And if there was a special need, which, which we call the police powers, if there was a need under that, then let's address it. But I don't think you can make these broad policies that affect people's individual rights. Well, I'll tick some people off. I can tell you right now, the masks is, is just, just plain stupid because <laughs> they don't work. It's like... It's like trying to keep uh, Gomina fishing with a chain link fence. It, well, I have a first grader, and I will tell you, he, he probably never wore his mask up around his nose. Um, so, you know, I don't know how the teachers did it, telling them all day long, pull your mask up. And the politicians that really want you to have those masks, if you watch them when they're on their own time, they very seldom have them. <laughs> Kelly, it's been awesome. Can you, If people want to get in touch with you, want to help support you in any way, whether it be uh, – by phone calls, whether it be by visits, whether it be monetarily or anything else, how do they go about getting in touch with you? Well, and I need all the help um, because this does take a village. This is a race, a final election in a short period of time. So they can go to my website, votecouts.com. I also have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash counts campaign. And my um, address, my phone, my cell phone number is actually on my website and on my Facebook page. They can call me anytime. They can send me an email anytime. They can message me on Facebook. Um, they can make donations there. And if they want to knock on doors or make phone calls or just help spread the word to their community, I would appreciate it. Well, tell them how to spell your last name so they can hear it. Thank you. It's Kautz, K-A-U-T-Z. And that's K-A-U-T-Z, first name Kelly. Go in there and check her out. As I've said so many times, voting is just a priority. You've got to get off your rear end. You've got to get out there and vote. I don't care what party you're in. But whatever you vote in, vote informed. Find out about what the nature of the person, what the record of the person, everything about the person that you can possibly determine before you cast that ballot because you know, the old saying, voting has consequences, elections have consequences, and you don't want to get the wrong people in there. You want people in there that are after, uh, that are supporting your needs, supporting the needs of our community, because we have an awesome community here in this county, and we want to keep it that way. So I want to thank Kelly very much for thank coming in Thank you for having here. me. And with that, I'll say thank you for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services and in part by Sosby's Garage. Be sure to join us for our live broadcast every other Wednesday 
And right now, it looks like it may be every Wednesday for a few, for up to until the election at 11.30 a.m. here on Business Radio X. If you miss the live broadcast, no worries. You can enjoy the show anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and, of course, then clicking on Case in Point. The program is also available on iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, really wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please be sure to hit that subscribe button to Case in Point so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Thanks again to my guest, Kelly Counts, our producer, Mike. I'm Rick Strawn. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets. <laughs>